0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to a, another episode of So a am Married Horror Fan. I am one of your hosts, Simon. And I'm Lee. And this is episode number 72. Feels really, really weird saying that again. So, for those of you that don't know, obviously we have been keeping the trainer running. You have had some lovely episodes over the last few weeks. Thank you for supporting our April releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some good feedback for some of the episodes. We put on April, but if you guys followed our social media, you know that we did kind of take a little bit of a break behind the scenes. So this is the first time in six weeks we've recorded an episode ish, roughly.
1: Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, about six weeks.
0: Yeah. Because we recorded all of our March episodes, like and April episodes, like in like a two week block, didn't we? Yeah. Basically. So yeah, it feels weird to be back, but not really. Like you guys won't have noticed because you've had your weekly content. But yeah, it feels weird. A lot's happened in the time since we recorded episodes. We went to see the Boulez brothers do Dracula. We Uh, did. We caught COVID.
1: We did, we had COVID. (laughs) We
0: had COVID, so we spent a week in bed with COVID, which was fucking awful. Three days after recovering from COVID, I fell down the stairs. Yeah. And turned myself into a smashy smashy Eggman. You
1: did. Uh, we had
0: we had a week off for your birthday. We did we some did. stuff for your birthday. We went to see go. I <coughs> we went to see Ghost.
1: We went to Winchester and saw King Arthur's table. Saw
0: some fucking other cathedral shit. Yeah. Uh, we, we went, went to, to, a to a cat, cat cafe. cafe and hung out with other cats that aren't our own. Yeah,
1: that's true.
0: Uh, we went to see the secrets of Dumbledore.
1: We did. I went to see Bastille.
0: Yeah. We've had uh, a couple of bank holidays in that time. We have. Cause we had Easter. We celebrate Easter. Um, and then the day that this episode airs will be another bank holiday in the UK. So, Wait, Well, yeah. it will
1: be bank holiday Monday. So, It'll mean, the day after... Um, it's bell time?
0: Yeah, May Day.
1: May Day. <laughs> so we're recording this on Saturday, so tomorrow happy bank holiday monday everybody
0: everybody should just be rolling out watching midsummer
1: sure i am dressed for midsummer today
0: because that revolves around the the may queen and all that mm. goodness so I'm we hope we hope everyone it. has stayed safe we've uh, had a lot of adventures in the time <coughs> that we took away from recording um but yeah i hope we hope everyone's staying safe everyone's chill uh enjoying mm. whatever it is that they're getting up to uh, for all of our international listeners, if you're at work today, really sorry, it's nice and sunny here in England, and everybody's uh, sat outside drinking, drinking a beer, or, so. or or eating an ice cream.
1: And if it is nice today, or well, will be today, will be Monday, we'll be off feeding ducks with uh, friends of ours.
0: Feeding some swans. So feeding some swans. How 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 about them apples? Mm. Um, so yeah. This is the first episode for May. I cannot believe this will be our 30th episode of the year. And I cannot believe we're already five months into 2022. We are officially coming up for two and a half years inside of a global pandemic, which is fucking bananas. Um, But this is the official start of Space Horror Month. Um, and we are kicking off Space Horror Month with the only
1: good film Paul W.S. Anderson's ever made. <laughs> Event Horizon? Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've seen anything else he's ever made. You have. So. Have I? You have Mortal Kombat.
0: You have oh, yeah. Three Musketeers. You have Pompeii. Did he? You've seen one of the Resident Evil movies, I'm sure.
1: That's production credits. of the director credits. Mortal Kombat. Yeah.
0: yeah. This now. Yeah. Uh, he did AVP as well. I don't know if you've seen AVP. Three
1: Musketeers. Mm-hmm. Pompeii. Yeah, so this is actually the fourth movie of
0: his. Um, I've seen. He's not got any credits past Monster Hunter, has he? Monster Hunter is the last thing I think he did.
1: Um. Yeah. He's got two other projects. Mimic TV series.
0: Oh, yeah, because he's doing a TV series based on that Guillermo del Toro movie we covered. Mimic.
1: Mm. And then in the lost <clears throat> lands but I think that's just in he yeah attached to it
0: outside of shopping which was his debut movie this is one of only two and I use that term very loosely movies that's not based on the existing IP mm. um because soldier the movie that he followed this up with is an original idea but it's kind of also set in the world of blade runner kind of apparently so I mm. fail to recognize that as like an original ish mm. film
1: Oh, he produced DOA as well, which I've also seen.
0: Jesus Christ, that movie sucks dick. Yeah, so he basically went on and did, after this, he did a bunch of remakes and a a bunch of stuff based on video games. So he did a remake of Death Race. He did AVP, which is obviously based on the Alien and Predator franchise. He did, I think, three of the six Resident Evil movies he directed, but he produced all of them. Um, He directed Monster Hunter, which is based on a video game. Mortal Kombat, which is based on a video game. Yes. Uh, And then he did, obviously, that really weird steampunk fucking Free Musketeers movie Mm. with Logan Lerman and Luke Evans and that nonsense.
1: Also, you lied to me earlier, Mm -hmm. because you told me the W.S. wasn't actually part of his name. It isn't. It is. His name is Paul William Scott Anderson.
0: So I read years ago that it wasn't. It was just initials that he'd put in for the sake of it.
1: No, his birth name is Paul William Scott Anderson, apparently
0: there you go and he he's to
1: my face
0: well i didn't know that i thought it was like a stage station because for some reason the guy who made resident evil and mortal combat thinks that people will get him confused with the fucking auteur paul thomas anderson who did punch drunk love boogie nights magnolia licorice pizza blah 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 mm. one of those guys has oscars the other one made this movie <laughs>
1: Uh, this movie was also written by uh, Philip Eisner, who literally wrote a grand total of four movies in his career.
0: Um, Andrew Kevin Walker did an uncredited rewrite on this as well, who is the guy who wrote Seven. Do
1: you want to hear what amazing films this man wrote? Go on then. So, Event Horizon. Yeah. Firestarter 2. Oh, shit. Mutant Chronicles. Oh, shit. And Sweet Girl. Oh. Which was the Jason Momoa and Kid one.
0: <coughs> oh, the one that was on Netflix, like, last year. Yes. Where Jason Momoa is like, let me get some of that fucking Taken money.
1: Yeah.
0: Jeez.
1: He also wrote that.
0: Fuck me. That's
1: all he has credited to his name.
0: Interesting fact, though. Um, Paul... We'll get into like the meat and bones of this movie in a minute. Paul W.S. Anderson got offered this movie because of how big of a commercial success that Mortal Kombat was. In the process of making this movie, he had to turn down making Alien Resurrection, which came out the same year, and is arguably on par with this movie Mm -hmm. uh the x-files movie which came out in 98 and the original x-men movie and i'm like really fucking glad this dude didn't get his hands on the x-men franchise having watched three of those resident evil movies i'm just like come on man like there's no way you would have like excelled at making an x-men movie although i do like his remake of death race death race is a pretty sweet movie
1: okay i'm just being out there at some as well at some point i want to cover whatever the fuck this is that popped to my recommended films. Yeah,
0: Dark, Dark City is great. It's made by Alex Proyas, who made uh, I don't know,
1: but I literally looked at it, and they were like, have Rufus Sewell, have Keith Sutherland, have Jennifer Connelly, and I'm like, okay.
0: Yeah, it's made by uh, Alex Proyas, as I said, who made The Crow. Um, it's what he followed The Crow up with. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but yeah, let's, let's do the rundown on this, so and this film. and okay. let's get into Event so, Horizon. So,
1: cast-wise...
0: It's a very British cast, because Paul Douglas Anderson's British, I think.
1: So, we have Lawrence Fishburne as Miller, Sam Neill as Weir, Kathleen Quinlan as Peters, Jolie Richardson as Stark, Richard T. Jones as Cooper, Jack Noseworthy as Justin, Jason Isaacs as DJ, Sean Pertwee as Smith, and then I think that's kind of it.
0: Yeah, it's a very small cast.
1: Yeah, it's not a very big cast at all. And then a similar look. Here's the only for the uh, synopsis. (coughs) (laughs) A A rescue... I did a little cough, I though well, you guys were going to hear it, but I was like, I'm going to prepare myself. <clears throat> and I still fucked up. A rescue crew investigates a spaceship that disappeared into a black hole and has now returned with someone or something new on board. Yeah. Eh. I'm not entirely sure that's a, a clear-cut description of what happens in this movie, but sure. So this movie was made on a 60 million budget. It made 42 million at the box office. So it lost 18 million dollars. So
0: that's prior that's before like promotional costs and shit like that as well i don't
1: know if it does i don't i don't know Mm. because the budget it just gives you (coughs) this was the budget for the film and i'm like okay
0: it's weird though because we're talking about this movie on its 25th basically its 25th anniversary it turns 25 in august so we're like three months out from the movie's twenty fifth anniversary um the weird thing about this movie is it's made so much money on rental streaming home video, Blu-ray, etc. Like, I do... Like, it's weird, because when they talk about movies that were flops, there's two schools of thought when the movie becomes successful years later. They're like, either people weren't ready for it, they were like, it was ahead of its time, which I want to be very clear, I that don't I don't film. think this movie is. I think this movie has one really great premise, but we'll get into that later. Um, or they just kind of talk about basically how movies kind of find an audience because of like
1: you becomes know a bit of like, a cult yeah movie. like
0: generations later like someone's like oh man you've got to check out this movie and shit like that um this movie was originally so this movie is an hour and 30 minutes mm-hmm. it was originally 2 hours and 10 they cut 40 minutes out of it because they cut a lot of the stuff out of the visions of hell sequence and the blood orgy cool. sequence which we'll talk about later um paul ws anderson starts I basically said so basically the, it was a, a, had a troubled production it had rewrites they had to, after they screened the longer version they only had like six weeks to re-edit it he feels like he took 10 minutes too long out of the, too much out of the movie do you feel like there is you can tell watching this that there is a lot of movie missing no I feel like a couple of extra scenes would have benefited this movie. Like, I love the pacing in this movie. I like, think
1: there could have been a couple of extra scenes just to kind of clear up a few... I wouldn't call it plot holes, but little points that aren't exactly clear. But as a general th- feeling on it, I don't think it really loses anything by losing that extra, what, like 40 minutes in any way, shape or form.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I would, lo- I would love to know what the longer <sighs> cut looks like just because you know me I'm a stickler for like if there's alternate cuts of films I always like to see what could Thing have is, been. is I
1: think that extra 40 minutes would make this film way too long.
0: Yeah, and I feel like a lot of it is just like the gore and torture stuff. Mm. Um which apparently when they aired the original screening of this in like 1997, people were fucking fainting and like walking out.
1: They always say that about films. That they're like, "This is the film that made people pass out yeah. in the cinema." I'm like, "Did it though?"
0: Because they, I Did mean, because they were talking about obviously like, I mean, we'll talk about those scenes later. But what what was your initial impression of this movie? Because I've seen this movie a bunch of times.
1: So I went into this movie completely blind. I didn't even look up anything about this film at all. So I went into it basically going, it's set in space. Yeah. Space stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I had no idea what was going to happen in this film. Which is kind of nice to go into it not really knowing what the film was really about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was quite nice to just go in and be like... I have no idea because it's not. It's like it's not one of those films that people will sit there and be like, "Oh my god, *Event Horizon*! Like this scene, that scene, this scene. Like it's the greatest movie ever made. It's amazing. You have to watch it because this happens." I have not ever heard anyone talk about *Event Horizon*.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's one of those. Ever. <laughs> it's one of those movies. Like people of a certain age talk about it. and, like sci-fi and horror fans talk about it. It's kind of like one of those little. I don't want to say like it's an independent film because it's not, but it's like one of those movies that it comes up in conversation of, if you know, you know. No, yeah. Um, I remember seeing it for the first time when I was fairly young. Like not the age, it, like I didn't see it when it came out because I was fucking 12 years old. But I remember seeing it like as an early teenager. I think I would probably watched it with like my uncle or some shit. And I only watched it... <clears throat> I didn't even know it was made by the guy that made Mortal Kombat, because I loved the Mortal Kombat movie when I was a kid. But I remember watching it because I think somebody was like, oh, it's like Alien, which is a real... like. I feel like any horror movie in space, people will just be like, oh, it's like Alien. Because Alien is like you the... can
1: feel the influence of yeah. Alien on this film. <clears throat> I can see what, so why someone would be like, "Oh, it's like Alien," because you can feel the influence.
0: And to be fair, for this type of subgenre, Alien is the standard bearer. Yeah. like Alien is the gold standard when it comes to like sci-fi horror. Um, I remember kind of watching it and being a bit like, "I I get it, but I don't really get it." Like, yeah. I because it it it. The The plot is easy enough to understand, I think, if you've seen it enough times or if you're paying attention. But I think as a as a kid, it's a bit like, what the fuck? Like, I don't really understand what's going on. Um, and I've watched it quite a bit as an adult. And um, I feel like it's one of those movies that I love the central premise of it. I think the the cast and the acting. And I think I may have said this when we did our Alien episode. I just love cruise in space something goes wrong everybody dies kind of movies yeah like like i fucking just love weird like because to be honest space is frightening enough it is, the, is the idea sweet. of being in space just on a mission millions of miles away from fucking anywhere is scary enough as it is before you put like a killer robot or a malfunctioning ship or like an alien in um in the mix um but yeah, one of the things I noticed about this movie—that's probably why you may have liked it a little bit more than Alien—I don't know if you actually did like it more than Alien—but like, I feel like this is more well-paced in the terms of like the quiet moments and the action moments. Mm. There's not a lot of downtime in this movie. Like that—that's where I think the shorter runtime benefits mm-hmm. it because they don't have time to fuck about. They literally just go, "Oh, we're on a mission. Oh shit, here's the fucking his." here's the ship, shit's popping off and Mm. that's it. And then from, it hits a certain point and then it just hits the ground running and just keeps going. Mm. Um, Did you find the pacing was something that worked in the movie's favour because of that very, like you didn't have enough time to sit there and get
1: bored? Yeah, so I, it was paced really well. I have issues with this film, but it was paced really well. Like it didn't really like drag I wasn't sort of going, looking at my watch, going, oh, is this nearly over yet? Like, this is just what the fuck is happening. Yeah. I was more like, oh, it's like, stuff's popping. Like, things are happening. I spent a good chunk of this movie trying to figure out what the plot twist was going to be.
0: I think hitting the nail on the head there with the plot twist, like, it is one of those movies, like, it gives away very little. Yeah. Um, and then it hits kind of a certain point, and they kind of... They basically just tell you what the... So for those of you that don't know, if you've not seen Event Horizon, I guess now is a good time to say, spoilers, we're going to go into... I mean,
1: to be fair, we don't (laughs) do spoiler spoiler warnings on these episodes anyway, because there's always three fucking spoilers.
0: But basically, it's like a lot of sci-fi movies. It starts with a ship getting a distress signal. Basically, the ship, the Event Horizon, has gone missing. It's been missing for seven years. It found a way to jump light speed...
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it disappeared and has now apparently reemerged
1: by Jupiter,
0: yeah, uh, Neptune. Neptune. And they talk about basically they need to go and find the ship, save whatever crew is left, and then salvage the, the ship. Bring if the they ship can. back
1: if they can. Yeah. Um,
0: it turns out that this particular ship has been to hell, <laughs> um, which they basically explain halfway through the movie. So you find out that the thing that it's like a black hole, isn't it? It's a manufactured black so- hole.
1: It's a, from what I understand from fucking Sam Neil's vague explanation, it's a space-time <laughs> vortex, which affects the curvature of space-time. So instead of having to pass from one point to another, it creates a wormhole directly between point A and point B, making the quickest route zero. Wibbly-wobbly, Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wobby. It was is a very way- Doctor Who explanation. I was going to say, is the way that he not explains it
0: with the paper and the, Uh, the porn mag and the pen, not the same way that they explain it in Donnie Darko.
1: I think so. I'm pretty sure they also do it in, um, to explain parallel universes Mm. in stranger things, like parallel dimensions. And I'm pretty sure it's also been used in like three or four other space films to explain, explain like time travel and space travel. Why are you wearing that stupid man suit? Yeah.
0: um, Yeah, because in Donnie Darko, just to kind of segue a second, isn't it he has to stop... Like, there's the thing with the jet engine falling and...
1: Yeah. and So, basically, Donnie Darko's a weird one. So, basically, a... A parallel reality is created because Donnie does not die when the engine comes through Mm -hmm. his roof. But the reason Donnie doesn't (coughs) die is because Frank wakes him up Mm -hmm. and takes him out of the room. So... Frank creates the parallel dimension by waking Donnie up.
0: But isn't there also a theory that Donnie and Frank are the same person from the parallel universes? Like yeah, I've heard Frank, that theory. Frank is a parallel version of Donnie. But the thing is, Donnie. if Frank
1: never woke Donnie up, the parallel universe would have never existed in the first yeah. place.
0: Because it's never explained who Frank is or where he comes from. But he's got that fucking hole in his eye, hasn't he? Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of a different thing, because that's about parallel universes, and this is like about different dimensions. So that's space-time or, travel. Although kind of a similar thing on the same plane of, like, we you talk about time continuums and portals and all that shit. Anyway, there's a all thing... All I want
1: to say is, I want to, I want to point out that when I was talking about space travel and how it was explained in this film, I feel like I sounded very intelligent. <laughs> like I 100% knew what I was talking about. I do not.
0: Because basically there's like an <laughs> orb with three magnetic rings... It's essentially a manufactured black hole in the middle of the ship, isn't it? That's what he says? Yeah,
1: basically yeah
0: and the the ship went through the black hole. So
1: basically from
0: the way the film the explains way the it. film
1: explains it from the way you see it is the ship, the Orby thing, yeah, scientific term <coughs> creates the black hole outside of the ship like yeah. it f- makes it it forces the black hole to appear mm-hmm. and then the ship would go through the black hole mm-hmm. i don't know how the fuck that works because my assumption would be the portal would become the black hole and would suck the ship inside itself yeah, yeah. which but scientifically wouldn't work because i feel like that would end with things getting crushed
0: yeah and then
1: i don't really know Wimbley yeah they, they don't really
0: they don't really explain how the black hole works And we have, we do see at some point in the film the black hole work from inside the ship Mm -hmm. because it sucks Justin in.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But yeah, basically, um, so the ship disappeared for seven years and it basically went to hell. It went above and beyond the limits of space, time, and other such.
1: Understanding. Yeah,
0: other such bullshit. Um, The crew came back and. Basically just went mental and fucking...
1: Murdered each other.
0: Basically raped and killed each other yeah. is essentially what happened. And you, f- I feel like this is where the shining aspect of it comes in because you're led to believe that Dr. Weir, who is played by Sam Neill, he is the one that created the black hole mm-hmm. and the event horizon is his ship, which he doesn't tell anybody until about halfway through the movie because he's a sneaky little fuckfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're kind of led to believe the way that he talks... As he slowly goes mad when he's back on the ship, um, he's kind of—I guess it's kind of like a Shining plus Ghost Ship situation. So, if for anyone that hasn't seen The Shining, and for you especially, if you haven't seen The Shining. The end of The Shining, there's a picture of Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. well, from I'm like 1920, seen the end of it. and the theory is that he's always been there. So mm. he's always been a part of like the the hotel, the Overlook, and he's part of the ghost of the Overlook. But I guess in this sense. That would be Weir's character he him and the ship are one. He is the person that basically brings new people to the ship so that they can keep going to hell, essentially, kind of like the ferryman in fucking ghost ship see
1: i don't uh, I didn't read it that way. My general belief on it was watching the film is he'd created the portal he helped build the event horizon, and he knew it's never addressed. He knew all along that that portal would take people to hell. yeah. Don't address it, but it seems highly suspect that he knew that it was a portal to hell. And then when they get the alert, basically the ship drags him back. Mm -hmm. Because he could have 100% told people, by the way, black hole on that ship, just a heads up. It's a little bit off. He doesn't. Also, you're the man who built the black hole. You tell him you didn't know there was something fucking wrong about that bullshit. And I love Sam Neill as an actor because he plays this really well. Because you don't start doubting him. Until he starts going insane. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, no, he seems off. See, his... Like, up until that point, you start finding out what actually happened to the event horizon, that it's actually a black hole. I never questioned that Sam Nielsen wasn't just, like... Weir wasn't just, like, some guy who was, like, a scientist who helped, you know, work on the ship and its Mm -hmm. magic transport shit. And I was like, hang the fuck on. Fucking try yourself, shit.
0: Yeah, his performance in this is very similar to Ian Holmes as Ash in uh, Alien. Yes, because you don't suspect anything from that fucking dude until like halfway through the movie, and he's trying to fucking ram a magazine down Ripley's throat. Um, Yeah, like it's so like it's so ambiguous as to like what the thing is because he always says about how the ship will never let him leave and it's bringing back, but it's like it's so weird in the sense of like the way they set it up because, like you said. It feels like he feels like he's been dragged back there by the ship. Like the ship has some hold or some power over him, but at the same time, it feels like the ship needs him to be the vessel to bring other people to it.
1: I don't think the ship so, gives a fuck about having other people there. Yeah. I think it just, what about the ship? As if it's not. It's that. It's the actual black hole itself. Mm-hmm. It's not the ship. The ship is just a ship. It's the black hole itself and the portal. Mm-hmm. I think it's more that. The portal wants to punish him for creating it. Yeah. And extra lives are just a <laughs> bonus. Like, yeah. I don't think he's taken other people there before. He's not sacrificing
0: people. No, I
1: think it's yeah. just... It was unfortunate that this was the crew who came with him. But the portal's basically like trying to pull him mm. back in as a punishment for creating it in the first place.
0: I think that's what... If they hadn't pulled the fake out at the ending, that's probably what the ending... If they'd kept the ending different or kept that ending before cutting to it being a dream, that would suggest what I'm trying to suggest would be a thing if that makes sense, yeah, so if he was the rescue person at the end, like the movie wants you to believe before they cut to it being a dream, then that would lead credence to he's done this before, he will keep doing this, yeah, like he will just keep bringing people or trying to like he's actually assimilate like, he's people.
1: a deep right, okay so. Joe, earlier I said I had a big major problem with this film.
0: Yeah. What is your major problem? My
1: major problem with this film...
0: New segment on the show. Lee's major problem!
1: Yeah. Is, right, so it's a sci-fi movie. It's a pretty straight down the middle sci-fi movie as well. We're in space, they're hunting people on a spaceship.
0: Although one thing I will say before I cut you off, like before you carry on, I love the fact that the movie doesn't fill, like they don't fill this movie with science mumbo-jumbo. Like they do the whole portal thing and then that's it after that it's like it's not a lot of like flibbly bops and jibby bops or boobby bops
1: good english right <laughs> okay so this movie is a pretty straight through the middle sci-fi film bunch of dudes in space get to a spaceship something's off something's probably hunting them driving them insane standard sci-fi fare mm-hmm. and then suddenly there is a portal to hell <laughs> Like, when I first figured out it's a portal or something, I thought like it was maybe going to be like some Lovecraftian style monsters lived on the other side mm. of it. Because that's been done in sci fi plenty of times. So yeah. It makes perfect sense to me that there would be like some Cthulhu ass motherfucker on the other side of a portal. Big fan of a Cthulhu ass motherfucker. The fact that it's a portal to hell. And you can tell <coughs> watching this that there are three main influences it is Alien, alien, yeah. it is the Shining, yeah. And it is Hellraiser. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the Hellraiser part of it is the sole reason that there is a portal to hell. In fact, there is even a line. After Jonathan, Justin, goes through the portal. He tries to kill himself, tries to leap out of a fucking Airlock. airlock. He looks one of the women dead in the fucking eye. And he says, what does he say? The sights that they will show you.
0: No, after his wife has committed suicide in the vision, where oh. his wife says to him, come with me, you are with me now, I have such wonderful sights to show you. Yeah,
1: which what- in my head, I basically went, what it's ju- basically a rip off from fucking hellraiser
0: what justin says he says is it showed me the darkness in me and he said what sorry what i have seen you would never wish to see with your own eyes or words to that. but it's when
1: she's like i have such wonderful thoughts i see you i'm like i literally there is a line in hellraiser that is what is it such wondrous sights
0: we have such sights to show we have
1: such sights to show you right i'm not being funny if you want to if you want to be like pale (coughs) homage to hellraiser fine However, don't basically rip off a line from that movie. Do... Basically, point. Also, don't try to pull to hell to this movie because you like Hellraiser, and a lot of the architecture and design is based. A part of it's based on Notre Dame, but there are so many points like the portal itself. You look at it and you're like, that is such a Hellraiser image. Yeah, one the of the doors that close yeah, as well like we're the super lament like configuration. lament configurationist. But the actual orb with all mm-hmm. of the winding different parts. To me, scream something from Hellraiser. Yeah,
0: and I thought the main one, the main <laughs> hub of the ship where they sit when they're on Event Horizon with the arches that do look very churchy... They do look kind of like xenomorphy as well. They do look very yep. Geiger esque, which and is. And there's, really loads, there's a point
1: in the, in the film where they're going through like this corridor. It's all lit in green. There's all these different panels, and half of them are gold. Like uh, All of them are green, but there's like, odd gold ones in there. Mm-hmm. And I bet you if you folded them all together, they'd probably fold into a fucking lament condition. Do, you know
0: do you know what? There's two really funny things about you saying this Hellraiser thing. One, Clive Barker actually worked in the production of this movie. Oh, did he? Yeah. And uh, this movie came out a year after Hellraiser Bloodline, which is the Hellraiser in space movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, did Clive Parker legit work in this film.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the IMDb page. He didn't... I don't think he w- he had, like, massive influence on it, but he worked on the production, so I think he gave, like, production notes, probably because they wanted to get, like, the Hellraiser influence right, so they probably... More than likely, I don't think he worked a lot of days on it, but he probably sat there and they went, "Look, we're trying to make this look hellraisery. Like, is this is this cool? Like,
1: I'm so Google now." He consulted during yeah. pre-production. There, there you we go. go.
0: And it's like, I think as well, like the scene where they blood eagle the guy, and he's suspended by the hooks, and he's oh all yeah, 100%, like that's super like a, hell-raiser-y. such a hellraisery type thing. Like the blood eagle thing is cool because they do the blood eagle in Midsummer as well, to a much very different effect. But I think that whole sequence where the dude's hanging up on all of his guts right and like Weir's look
1: at the end at the end where he's got all their cuts, cuts in his and the face. eyes
0: and stuff is very cenobite
1: is, is my problem with this entire film though is that I was watching this a lot of it and I was waiting for fucking Weir to turn to the camera and go red and he a cane recently
0: that well this movie did come out two years after <laughs> like, you
1: know, legitimately my brain the entire time was like recently. I'm gonna, like, I think that's just because <clears> I really love In the Mouth of Man. It yeah. arrived today. I got my uh, Scream Factory copy of it.
0: So let's, let's go get, go through this. Like, What do you think of the cast in this movie? What do you think of the characters? What do you think of the crew? Because like I know with sci-fi movies, a very big part of it is the crew because you get to spend a lot of time with them in a very confined space. So first
1: and foremost, this has a pretty banging cast. Uh-huh. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I really like the crew. I mean, I could go without what's her face? <coughs> Old Mummy Tits, who everyone calls mama Bear.
0: Yeah, oh, Kathleen Quinlan's character, yeah. yeah.
1: She's all, everyone calls her mama Bear. It's, no, she it's refers... not her,
0: Peter's, is it? Peter's is the one that Jodie Richardson A Stark. Plays. Stark, sorry, Stark. yeah,
1: Peter's. Right. Um, and she refers to Justin as Baby Bear. Yes. Could have done without her she was she was literally just there to give somebody an emotional center of having a kid to make it traumatic when they killed her um i really like yeah. justin also character. side note
0: why did a kid have gangrene <laughs> I, like,
1: I don't, don't think, it, so, I think so i think so. it was i think it was just the shit fucking with her yeah he
0: had a like weird gangrenous i don't fucking know legs.
1: um i really <laughs> like Justin's, justin just did as a character mm. as like the youngest member of the crew that everyone kind of picks on slash Parents, a little. Yeah. Um, Jack Noseworthy is
0: always a win. I do like it. He He's always a win. Oh,
1: uh, uh, fuck my life. <laughs> I really like Stark. Yeah. Not just because she was called Stark, like one of my favourite scientists. Um, Jolie Richardson's good in, most she's things, really good in this. She's really good at this. I loved. Uh, what's his character called? The main oh. guy. Miller. Miller, I loved Miller. But then again, I feel like. Lawrence
0: Fishburne. Lawrence
1: Fishburne, thank you, can do no wrong. I love Lawrence Fishburne as an actor.
0: He does make some pretty piss poor choices in this movie, though. He
1: does. <coughs> um, who am I missing? Oh, Jason Isaac's character, DJ. Uh-huh. I mean, you put Jason Isaacs in anything. I'm just gonna be like, he was amazing as Jason Isaacs. I don't know anyone. And this is like J- Jason
0: Isaacs like fairly early in his career. Really early that.
1: in his career, yeah. And then obviously you got John Pertwee Sean. as yeah Sean Pertwee. Stop fucking Doctor Who in this bit. Stop Doctor Who. Sean Pertwee as Smith. Yeah. Who is amazing. he's just the super aggy sweary one and then there's what's his face I forgot what the other crew member's called Cooper Cooper, thank you who is basically just there for comic relief most of the time Um, but is also I think has one of the most important parts of this entire film he
0: has the funniest sequence in this movie when he's floating out in space <laughs> and he releases the pressure from his, like, space suit. Is
1: it like, I'm coming, motherfucker? <laughs> and he's
0: like, he's like flying through space. He's like, I'm coming, motherfuckers. It's so, f- it's the funniest shit. Um, yeah, he and is it-
1: definitely the comic relief of the movie. But he does also have a super important part to play in the film as yeah. well. I'm like, you gave him good, also, celebration, because this movie is 25 year old. And... A black character survives. Yes. Word. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne doesn't, but...
0: Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne... Cooper
1: survives. Lawrence
0: Fishburne gets all kinds of fucked up in this movie. Yeah, I think it's a weird one. Like, when you cast space movies, because generally speaking, there's like only one or two locations, you have to get the ensemble right. Yeah. Alien is one of those movies, I think, that gets the ensemble perfect.
1: That's the thing though, is all of the cast in this movie, because you are right, you have to have a good ensemble cast for something like this, because it is so such a claustrophobic film, mm-hmm. the cast have such an excellent chemistry, and picking Laurence Fishburne to play the captain of the ship, and basically like the leader of all of them, is pitch perfect casting choice, because Laurence Fishburne... I would, like, literally, Lawrence Fishburne could walk into my job tomorrow and tell me what to do, and I wouldn't even question it. I'd be like, yes, boss, whatever you say, Mr. Fishburne, and I would just go and do it. Because I feel like there's something about him, you would never say no to him, and you would just assume he has authority in whatever he is telling you to do. He
0: has one of those voices that is, like, calming but commanding, and he's quite a commanding presence himself as well. And I think it's really interesting as well, because he's the captain of the ship, and it's mainly him and Sam Neill that have to do the heavy lifting in this movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. And there are a lot of movies where they have to face off with each other. And I think if you put any lesser actors up against the, the two of them... Any
1: scene, do you mean? Yeah.
0: Like, no, no, no. If you put a lesser actor against Sam Neill and vice oh, versa, right, okay. those scenes don't work. No. But because they're both such strong actors with such commanding presence... Where they don't overpower each other, mm. I think that's where the real strength in this. And it's weird to talk about what is essentially a sci-fi B movie having really strong performances in it. It yes, has. They do.
1: They have. Like, <coughs> and the thing is, is there's nobody in this film who is overacting it or hamming it up. Like, and, except for Weir when
0: he becomes all possessed and weird, and he gets a bit mustache twirly. Then, but yeah, other than that, but
1: okay. that's I, I kind of expect that to happen in any sci-fi film regardless, because you have to know 100 they're definitely evil, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, no, like they they don't, know. none of the cast really ham it up. Do you know what I mean? Especially for what is essentially a B-movie, they're all pretty straight and narrow on the acting choices. Mm. They're not doing like weird, we're in a B-movie acting.
0: Yeah, not smell the fart actor like Joey Trivia. No.
1: <laughs> and it has, it, like <coughs> I'm, I'm assuming for a lot of these actors it was quite early in their career because the actors in this film are, are t- still today viewed as, you know, some of the top actors in their game. Yeah.
0: Well, I know that Sam Neill had obviously been working for a few years and he was coming off of the back of like Jurassic Park and in the mouth of madness when this came out. Lawrence Fishburne had been working maybe since the late seventies, early eighties when this came out. Cause he did like the I Cantina movie. And this is like two years pre matrix. I think he literally went and made the matrix after this. Um, Jack knows where he pops up in little bits and pieces. And I mean, many... I wasn't
1: calling him one of the top actors no, of the generation. No, like, but he's like sure. mainly in
0: TV now. Sean Pertwee obviously had... He, he stayed in a lot of British productions. He did stuff like Dog Soldiers. Yeah. I was watching... I've was. i seen Sean
1: Pertwee in so much stuff. Bro,
0: I was watching the Alan Partridge movie the other day, and he pops up in that.
1: I'm now really intrigued as to what I've seen it. Please continue. I'm just going to go look at the Jason,
0: Jason Isaacs went and did the Harry Potter movies. He did. He
1: played Lucius um, Malfoy. And he worked perfectly. with uh,
0: Paul W.S. Anderson quite a lot. He became Paul, Dob- 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 Paul W.S. Anderson's personal red shirt. Like he kills him in all the fucking movies that he's in. Um, Jolie Richardson obviously continued working. I think around this time, maybe like a year after this came out, she did like 101 Dalmatians, the live action one.
1: Yeah, probably actually, Um, it's around the same time. With
0: Jeff Daniels, Jeff Daniels, yeah, Jeff Daniels. Um, And then obviously we know what happened to Paul W.S. Anderson after this. Um, But yeah, like, I think a lot of the actors, like, are still working, like, fairly consistently now. Um, But yeah, it's, it's interesting seeing the things that they, like, pop up in and stuff.
1: Yeah, see, John, I think for me, John Pertwee just basically jumps up in every TV show, every British TV show I watch. He's like, hi, I'm here. Hi, it's me. Do you know who it is? It's me. <laughs> he was also in the uh, <coughs> um, anniversary, The Five Doctors.
0: Oh, it's something for The Five-ish dad.
1: Doctors. No, you know they did The Five-ish Doctors, mm. where it was the, it was just the actors. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was, so they was just, it was basically just for the 50th anniversary. It was like Colin Baker, P Davidson. can't think who else it was. P. Davidson, Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy. And they're trying to sneak onto the set of the anniversary. Oh, yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, it was like yeah, a little yeah. BBC short they did. He's in that with his dad, for mm-hmm. his dad, obviously. Um, but yeah, he just kind of pops up in British TV constantly. You're watching yeah. something, you're like, Ugh. He played... Also, I realise I've referred to him as John Pertwee at least three times. (laughs) He played
0: Alfred in Gotham, I think. I nearly said in The Batman with Robert Pattinson, but that's not him, that's Andy Serkis. That's
1: Andy Serkis. I don't know if he's in Gotham.
0: Yeah, I think he plays Alfred in Gotham Mm. to, like, a young Batman.
1: Because he's in... I know he was in an episode. Yeah, Gotham, Alfred Pennyworth. He's in like an episode of The Musketeers. He popped up in elementary because he played Lestrade in elementary. <clears throat> um, he with, pops up in loads of stuff. Johnny Bleeding Miller. He plays Hector in Camelot, like with uh, everyone's favourite Jamie.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what did you think of this movie as a sci-fi movie? Do you think it works as a sci-fi movie? <coughs> <coughs>
1: yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a space movie, babe. It's, it's literally on a spaceship set in space. I don't think you could get more sci-fi space movies. Yeah, but
0: that. like what I mean is like certain sci-fi movies try and get... They they get tied up in the science of it and overcomplicating things. I think this is a really easy movie to I watch. Mean, it's a really would, easy movie to understand. I
1: would have liked a little bit more science, in mm-hmm. all honesty, because they kind of just brush over a lot of stuff. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah, wibbly-wobbly spacey wacy, And I'm like
0: what do you think of the design of the two ships the Lewis and Clark and the, the Event Horizon the
1: Lewis and Clark looks like every spaceship in every movie <laughs> that's ever existed it just, it's just like a heap universe. of shit it's, it's just a, it's, literally somebody went I want a spaceship and they were like like which film and they just went all of them
0: <laughs> yeah
1: Event Horizon though the actual Event Horizon is fucking magnificent like inside not so much like, the outside the back end is just weird looking. Mm-hmm the front end though is really cool um and then the interior of it with all the archways and things that are made to look like stained windows and like the the very church like architecture is really really fucking cool and there's a great scene and i because i put it out i was like this person's gonna die now where they're, they're running they're going through a corridor it's um the one I didn't like, the mum character, I can't remember what her name Piers. is. Piers. Piers. And she's walking through the archways and the archways are actually coffin shaped. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a really smart I'm assuming it was a specific, like design choice to kind of hint at her coming down. Yeah. But I thought that was really fucking smart as well, because it's one of those most people probably wouldn't notice it. hmm And it was only because I could see where her son was stood, you could see the coffin, like, as if yeah. her son was in the coffin. Um, just kind of
0: reminds me of that scene in scary movie where she's running from the house, and they just got death or safety. <laughs> she runs towards death.
1: Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but, though no, the design of the ship is... F- th- Honestly, if somebody had told me H.R. Hey, Geiger designed parts of these shi- the ship, I'd have been like, 100% see exactly yeah. what you mean. Because there are some very Geiger-esque aesthetics in mm-hmm. the ship
0: the main the main tunnel that they go through kind of looks like the egg chamber one
1: way yeah. yeah the
0: arches kind of looks like the egg chamber in the original alien mm. you know where they find the space jockey like the walls of that yeah it kind of looks very similar to that
1: but i think the best the biggest set piece of the best set piece has to be the orb room yeah because that all broom looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. And you never... Because f- there are some parts of this movie where you're looking at it going, fuck me, this CGI is ropey. Yeah. So and it must have been ropey 25 years ago because it's dodgy as fuck now. Wh-
0: what I don't understand, though, this is the thing that makes <sighs> this is the thing that makes me laugh because you mentioned the CGI. So the beginning bit where you see the ship, there's like stuff floating in the atmosphere. and It's like a bottle of water and like a watch and a wrench. You could have easily done that in camera with the real items.
1: With some fishing wire. Yeah, like, yeah. in in
0: 1997, you could have done that in real life. There's no need for it to be a hastily put-together CGI bottle of water or a fucking wrench or whatever.
1: Yeah. But, like, what I was going to say was, obviously there are parts of that chamber that are CGI'd, the orb probably being part of it. Um, but it is so well done that that would stand up in a movie made today. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming the orb is CGI.
0: Yeah. One to. would assume. Had, has to be.
1: With its moving parts yeah. and its weird floaty surface. Um, but that has held up so well. And it still looks... Like, even today, watching it 25 years on, on uh, Sky Cinema, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think is HD, isn't it, Sky yeah. Cinema? Um, it still looks... And it stands up in HD, which normally you look at stuff from back then and you they put it into hd you're like oh fuck that's yeah that's rough that that room still stands up
0: yeah and the the design of it with like the spiky walls and everything as well Mm -hmm. so how do you think it stands up as a horror movie (sighs)
1: yeah it's it's a it's a hunt and kill film isn't it yeah the second half of this movie see the it's very much a film of two halves so the first half is kind of a bit more spacey-wasey and a little bit more psychological and then it becomes more of an all-out like hunt and kill. I would have liked it to maintain the more psychological aspect, aspect yeah. instead of just turning into him hunting people down like through the ship movie. and killing them. Don't get me wrong, like DJ's death is fucking magnificent. Hmm. But I would have much preferred it to be to continue of being yeah. more psychological of less of him turning into basically a fucking cenobite and killing them, and more of him slowly like fucking with them. Because yeah. the thing is, you could have still done the idea of like the hunt and kill, but instead of him killing them, just him like slowly like making them go insane and hurt each other. Yeah. That would have been way more interesting. Like him knowing they were going to cross each other in the ship. And basically setting it up so one of them would kill the other, like which that would is kind of what
0: you're led to believe is what happened to the other crew from the video that they yes. watch. See, this is the thing. This is like this is where I feel like the shining aspect of it comes in. Because where is Jack Torrance? Yes, like you watch him slowly go mad, and then he starts hunting everybody down. I do feel like you are right. This movie is a movie of two halves. I feel like it could have done. It could have benefited from being more psychological. Um... I feel like it could have benefited from a little, like a, a, maybe an extra 10 or 15 minutes of just w- watching the crew slowly descend into madness. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see the crew go the same way as the other crew, because obviously you don't get to see the footage really of what happened to the other crew. But I would have liked to have seen more of the like them experiencing the visions, the paranoia, the not knowing who to trust. Yeah. Like that side of things, because it sets well, it up this whole thing. I would way
1: more interested in that, of watching them slowly implode on themselves. I'd
0: also like to have seen what visions would have affected the other members of the crew. Because you see, um, Weir have visions of his dead wife, mm-hmm. Peters has visions of her dead kid, um, and Miller has visions of the guy that he let die. But you never really see Stark, Cooper, DJ...
1: Or I don't think Cooper gets any, Smith. does he? Because no. I don't think Smith does either because no. they don't really ever go on to the event And that's horizon. what I would have
0: liked to have seen. I would have liked to have seen more extended sequences of them having visions and, like, the, and I the slow to, paranoia. What and I like, would have
1: really liked to, to do as well is to play with it to a point where we're not even sure what yeah. is real and what isn't. Because, like, the thing is, this, don't get me wrong, this, <laughs> this, this is not a bad film. Like, I... I enjoyed it. I mean, the hell shit I could have done without. Mm. But I would have much preferred it to have been more of a psychological, like watching them implode on themselves and seeing them basically go insane. Yeah. That would have been so fucking interesting. But I would have also liked it to keep them to have kept it in the way of like Smith and Cooper are never really on the ship, Mm -hmm. so they don't really get the visions. And they're just like watching their crew descend yeah. and turn on each other, and them having to then make the decision of either like, well, we're gonna be next. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we do? Because at that point it's like if your crew have gone insane and you've got two characters left who have not experienced the visions, who have still maintained their sanity, you then get the in, the paranoia that's created by something like that, and it would become an idea of the paranoia that's caused by something causing it. An actual physical yeah. paranoia of you know something's wrong, but you don't know what and your crew are going insane. Yeah. And what that would do to somebody.
0: And the thing is, if you play it that way as well, you can shift Weir from being the central character to Justin being the central character. Having, having had him go through the portal and experience the visions and being already a member of the crew, you could have him being the one... That is messing with them, because they w- he would have that trust. Yeah, you
1: could completely wipe Weir's character out of yeah. this movie, because Weir is literally just there to take them to the ship. And I don't, like, I don't know why. Yeah. They could have easily, could have just been the rescue crew that got sent by the, the company to go rescue the ship.
0: Also, now that I'm thinking of it, this movie plays its hand very early on, because you see a skinless Weir at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, you do. Which kind of basically tells you everything that you need to know before the movie even begins. I
1: think you see his wife in like this second scene. Yeah, with him. like
0: because you see him in that cross window, like skinless, screaming, yeah. uh, which I assume is from when the first cycle, when he was on the ship the first time, and he saw hell the first time. Oh
1: no, because he wasn't there the first time. Was he not? No.
0: See, this is again. This is really confusing because I thought so. He, he
1: created the ship. And the ship went off and disappeared. He was never with the ship. He just helped create it.
0: So I thought he'd gone with the first crew. No. That's why he says the ship won't let me go and the ship has the hold over it. No. And that's why he's the skinless weir at the beginning. Obviously foreshadowing what's going to happen to him. I thought he'd been on the ship the first cycle. I think
1: I think maybe the portal had fucked with him when he created it, but he wasn't there the fellow because the ship just just disappeared. Yeah, none of the crew survived, so there mm. was he would never have been on there. They got a signal
0: right through. Yeah, see, this is what I mean, and because
1: he says that he's he that's the reason they're all there is because his company, who were the ones who created the Vent Horizon, got the signal through and they've sent him with them to go and collect and the I think crew of the event horizon this is
0: maybe where they should have put some of the excised footage back in if there is any because we do see a small ship's log of the other crew that were on there when they're normal I'd have liked to have seen maybe like that video expanded out so you could have actually seen the crew go on their mission like an hour before they went missing or something just no because I feel
1: them. like you... that's introducing too many characters mm-hmm. for us to not then then completely yeah. ex- like unnecessary character.
0: Do you I'm going to I'm, I'm going to talk about it because I feel like we have to talk about it in relation to this movie. Do you feel having the visions of hell scene and the blood orgy scene cut down affect the movie at all? No. I personally, I don't necessarily think I need to see more of the blood orgy. I think you see the enough of the visions of, it on the of screen. hell. I would have the, liked the to visions have seen of hell. I would like to have seen more of, yeah.
1: But yeah, the blood orgy stuff. It, the thing is it's like I said though, it's completely unnecessary because we don't care about that original crew. Yeah. The yeah. original crew where as far as we're concerned, as watches, non-existent characters.
0: Yeah. Do you know what's interesting, though? All of the... So, the Visions of Hell stuff was actually filmed with the crew that are in the film. Mm. Um, I, I might need you to pull up the IMDb page in a second, because I need to reference something. The blood orgy sequence was actually filmed using real pornographic actors and actresses and amputees.
1: Oh, was it? Yeah. Um, I don't know where I'd find that information, though.
0: That's not the information I need you to find. Oh, okay. So if you go to the IMDb page in the trivia section, there is something oh, I wanted shit. to specifically reference. Um,
1: I've gone too far, babe. Hang on. I want you—you've had me clicking everywhere. What do you need me to look for? So it's
0: in th- that bit there. Mm-hmm. So the actual visions of hell sequence was at, and the blood orgy sequences were actually inspired by two painters. Bruegel. Yeah, because Paul W.S. Anderson went on a tour of galleries Mm -hmm. and found that those artists had painted basically their own visions of hell, which were the complete antithesis of heaven, and they actually had regard for heaven and hell. And when he shot those sequences, he shot them to look a lot like their art. Um, And he actually managed to shoot them with a second unit, which he thought the studio were like, well, they're never going to check that because he's just going to think they're insert shots. It was only when they, they were put into the movie that they were so shocked that they had to have all of those scenes removed from the film. But yeah, the blood orgy scene, I don't think we needed to, to see any of that. I think you see enough of it in the movie to get the point of what happened to them. But the visions of hell sequence, I would have liked to have seen a lot longer. Um, but I do think the quick flash that you get in this gives you enough so that you can kind of get the point. However, apparently they did find a VHS about five years ago that had the footage on it, because all the videotapes with all the excised footage on it all went to a landfill somewhere, and apparently they found one of the videos with the footage on it, but they don't know what condition the footage is in, so they don't know, because Scream Factory did a Blu-ray of this last year, and they apparently were trying to get all the extra footage to put it back in the movie, but they couldn't find any, or they couldn't find any that was usable. And I think at one point Paul W.S. Anderson did kind of talk about maybe going back, refilming the Blood Orgy stuff and the Visions of Hell sequences and then just using de-aging tech to de-age the crew and then remastering the film at the same time. Okay. But then he was like, that's just too much fucking effort. And I was like, to be honest, at this point, I feel like it's like chasing a white whale. Like yeah. you're never going to find the footage. People are never going to see the full version of this movie. And I honestly don't think it it detracts from the movie at all mm. what
1: the model of the event horizon includes a complete x-wing
0: yeah i know that i knew that mm. um, i just didn't know where it was like in the geography uh, of the
1: ship it's <coughs> a lower portion of the event horizon it's viewable during the first flyby of the lewis and clark
0: i'll ask you i'm gonna ask you a quick, quick...
1: lewis and clark's a reference to Sacajawea, isn't it yeah yeah
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you a quick question though while we're while we're wrapping up the the rest of this episode They announced, I think it was the tail end of 2019, that that Adam Wingard is doing an Event Horizon TV series for Amazon.
1: Okay.
0: Firstly, A, do you think this story could benefit from being a TV series? And B, what would you like the TV series to be about? Would you like it to be a sequel or would you like it to be a prequel about the original crew and what happened to them? I like the original voyage where they went into hell. Uh.
1: Okay, so I don't think it needs a TV series. I don't think it will do well as a TV series. Depends how many episodes For me personally. Other people might be super into it, but for me personally, I don't think this would work as a TV series because you'd end up having to add way too much shit in. But if they are going to make a TV series, I mean, I don't think I care enough about the first voyage, to be honest. Like, I just, I'm like... They all die. I
0: don't... I think I don't that's think. really the only route they can go, though, isn't it? If they are going yeah. it as a TV show. But you shows. know what
1: I mean? Like, in my brain, I'm like, they're just going to be like, they all died. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, as well, is we see, see enough of the logs to know that they're still all perfectly fine up until they open that black hole. Mm. So it's not even like it'll be fun with <coughs> psychological horror, because <coughs> they're all perfectly fine, and then they open the black hole to jump through, and that's what sends them all fucking insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm kind of torn on the idea. I think the idea has to be that. I think that has the only way they can really go. I don't think making a sequel to the film is a good way to go because you've only got fucking two survivors left, three survivors left at the end of the movie. That's
1: what, assuming Justin survives. Yeah,
0: what are you going to do, like, realistically? Just have them go through the same cycle again. I think if they are going to do a TV series, it has to be a limited series. It has to be, like, six episodes max.
1: And six then, is way too many.
0: Um, and then I think you just kind of do you just do that maiden voyage that's that's the only play you have really is to do that maiden voyage but it's been pretty pretty quiet on that front it got announced for Amazon a couple of years ago and then they've said nothing about it because Amazon
1: have changed their minds <laughs>
0: um, but yeah like what are your sort of final thoughts on this movie how would you rate it like would you rewatch it are you glad you watched it like what are your thoughts on it
1: um... Right, so I could have gone my entire life without watching it. To be honest, on whether I'm glad I watched it or not, <laughs> I could have gone my whole life without seeing it. Did I hate it? No. Did I love it? Also, no. It was a very meh. like I'm so just to be very clear, I'm not a space horror fan anyway. I'm not a space movie fan in general.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There are very few. I think, in fact, I think there's a in grand total of like four films set in space I like. Uh, and two of them were on this, the list for this month. <laughs> um, so space horror was never really going to be a, a bag for me. Um, I don't think it's a bad film. Like it, It's perfectly feasible for what it is. I just think it could have been way more interesting than basically a rehash of every space horror film that's ever been made in the existence of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably give it mm, three and a half purely because i didn't hate it but the cast are amazing and that all broom on its own earns a star anyway Mm -hmm. so
0: yeah i mean i think it's i think it's a good movie i think it's one of paul ws anderson's best movies i think it showed incredible promise i mean it is highly derivative i think the reason why people remember it is because of the cast and because of like the hell stuff
1: and the ship design. Because the ship yeah. design is pretty like
0: cool. the ship that design has. is incredible. Like, it's not a typical, there's an alien on the ship. It is something different in that sense of like them going through the portal into hell and all that sort of jazz. Um, so I do think for that alone is why people remember it. And I think obviously the cast are very, very good as well. Um, it's a real shame that in terms of like quality, Paul W.S. Anderson's movies fell off after this. I mean, he made, like, one of the most successful video game franchises of all time in terms of, like, box office. Not quality. But, so, obviously, he's doing something right. And the man married Milo Jovovich. So, he's obviously doing something very right. But I do think this is the kind of movie where he showed a lot of promise. And then he he's never really lived up to that promise since. Um, it's one of those movies that I watch quite regularly. But that's because of my fascination with space horror. Like I will watch a movie like this and then I'll go and watch 10 10 more after it. So I do find myself watching it quite a lot. Um, But I I also think as well, in terms of the fact that it's 25 years old, there's not a lot other than some ropey CGI. There's not a lot that ages it. Everything else is practical. Everything is in camera. And I think for that reason as well, um it's I think is another reason why to a certain audience and a certain fan base it has stood up because everything feels real and feels tangible like there's not an alien creature that they have to design that they have to worry about aging or anything like that it's all very real and very tangible um would I like to see the two and two hour and ten minute full unedited cut sure if someone put it in front of me but that's purely because I like to see films in their full versions but I don't feel cheated having never seen like the cut footage or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I would probably agree with you. I would float around the three and a half mark. Um, I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad you sat and watched it and I'm glad you didn't be like, this fucking sucks. You um, made me watch worse shit than this. But it is very similar to a film that we are going to be talking about next week. It which is, is uh, Danny Boyle's 2007 Is it a horror? Is it
1: not horror, Sunshine? It's a horror film. Also, it's one of my picks. So, when I said there's two films I liked this month, a certain space, this is one of them. Mate, I did not realise how many fucking sexy people are in Sunshine. So many sexy people. Why do you think I like
0: it? Uh, Benedict (sighs) Wong is in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cliff Curtis is in this Mm -hmm. movie. Killian Murphy's in this movie. Fuck yeah, he is. Chris Evans. Pre Captain America, Chris Evans is in Mm -hmm. this movie. Uh, Rose Byrne. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of people. Again, in this I reiterate,
1: why well, do you think I like this film?
0: Uh, it's a good movie. It's good. So, next week we will be covering Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Friday coming up, the 5th of May? 6th of May? 6th of May is Friday. Friday, yeah, 6. So, the 6th of May, which yeah. is this Friday, we will be here with our 5x5, where we will be looking at our. Top five aliens in popular culture to fit in with our space horror month.
1: I cannot even remember who I picked.
0: <laughs> Lots of aliens. Lots of um, aliens. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. Thanks again, for everyone who continues to support us. Uh, we hope that you're having a great bank holiday if you're to some bank holiday in the UK. If not, we hope you're just staying safe and having a good day regardless of what you're doing. Um, find us on social media, S-I-M-A-H-F pod on the Twitters, so I Married a Horror Fan on the Tumblrs and the Instagrams. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to the podcast uh, at all the usual places. We're now on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all that jazz. What you said? All the links are all on our social media.
1: Also, uh, Tumblr is up to date currently. For now. Just putting it out there.
0: Um, so yeah, as always, stay spooky, stay safe, and we will see you next time. Take care, guys. Bye.
1: Bye.